all, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody in between. Welcome back to the Stu Simpson Show. And today we've got something a little bit different. I sometimes take part in a little bit of stand-up comedy, something I started about what feels like five minutes ago, what actually turns out was about two years ago. And today we've got more guests than ever. We have, well, according to my screen, it says Stacey White, but I know Stacey as AJ. Stacey is not transgender. Stacey is just using somebody else's computer. And we also have Mike Perrin, uh, Kelly and Dale. I hope you're all well. I'm going to start with Mike. Why did you get started in stand-up comedy, Mike? Um, well, simple answer, I guess. Uh, to impress my then-girlfriend. Um, Your then-girlfriend? To... <laughs> yeah, she's now my fiance, so it worked. Uh, basically, my goal was to affirm her suspicion that I was worthy of siring her brood. <laughs> and that <laughs> if she did, that I wouldn't bore said brood into a coma. Um, I thought it was something I could do. I thought it would be a way out from behind a desk. So far, that hasn't happened, but he has hoping. Excellent. I'm, I'm going to um, chuck that over to Stacey as well. <laughs> Sorry, it's your fault. You put it on the computer. <laughs> this is AJ. AJ. I, I cannot hold down a normal nine-to-five job. I just can't do it. So it was literally stand-up or going on the game, and I haven't got the body for it anymore. So I was like, well, I've got to do stand-up. Late nights, drinking hanging around bars, do that anyway, and, you know. I would like that. I think you are pretty enough for the game. If the body's gone, the face is still there. So I did like the fact that he said any more, so he has considered it at some point. <laughs> well, there was a brief period of time when it was quite lucrative at university to be, like, one of those chat girls and do, like, text, like, three pence of text. I was sitting in the bedroom anyway, so why not? <laughs> give, give us your best, um, your, your best voice, your best chat line voice. Your best text voice. Your te- yeah, your best say it was texting. <laughs> it was texting. People it was all to, texting. Would people get off on texts? How bizarre. <laughs> the wood, the wood on mine, because I am quite the writer. <laughs> Excellent. And Dale, why did you get going? Other than the fact that you lost a sock. What happened was me and my ex-girlfriend went to London to see a gig. We went to go to Jake Shears. And then we decided that we're going to take magic mushrooms and go to the Olympic Park to the world's biggest slide and go down the slide. It's the tallest slide in the world. And obviously it's better if you're on magic mushrooms. So we bought the slide tickets and we went to the slide, took the magic mushrooms. And it was in like North London, this Olympic Park. It's a bit of a weird place. The Olympic Park's in East London. It's 10 minutes from my house. It's in <laughs> East London. Got to the slide. Went into He's the slide person's <laughs> office. The slide person said, sorry, the slide's closed. So we were like, right, because of the weather, because it's a very tall slide and it was raining, so we couldn't do it. So we were like, right, what we're going to do then? We really tried that we're not. So we decided to go to the Bill Murray in Islington, the comedy club, and we had to get the tube, tripping we're not off across London. And on the tube, I was running this narrative out of the ex of like, how him over there was over there, but he was here, but he wasn't here because I'm here, because I occupy this space. And then uh, we went to the comedy club and the comedian came on stage, basically ran through the exact same kind of format as I'd just been reading off on the tube. And it was really coincidental. And obviously we started checking it, it all seemed really magical and that. And then the ex said to us, oh, you should try stand up. So I did. Are you sure that's what he said, or was it because you were just tripping that you think that's what he said? No, no, she said it the next day, because we recognised what had happened. Like, I literally said the same thing that he said pretty much on the way to see them. 
Oh, well, there you are. That's excellent. Uh, <laughs> Kelly, but how did, why did you start? Had a pretty much complete and total mental breakdown and moved. Uh, I lived in London for about 20 years and then just moved back up here. And have you seen, do you know, um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. There's an episode called The Gang Broke D, where basically she's so <laughs> fucked off and depressed. And it's like, I've literally got nothing to live for. I might as well try stand up. And that's pretty much what I did. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So where does all the, the joke writing start? Uh, so Kelly, with you on, on that, so where what mm. makes you want to write a joke? <sighs> It's a tough question. I don't know. I like laughing. I think it's really it's really good. And I, I've just got so much respect for people who can make somebody laugh. I think it's just the best. AJ, uh, what, is it that makes, what is it that makes you want to write the joke? I tend to get annoyed at everything and then don't have a sounding board to actually put that out there. But when you got a microphone in your hand and you stand in front of everybody, they have to listen to you. So it's basically just that. I just start with something that annoys me. It'll be something as simple as an advert on the telly. Like the Dyson advert at the moment is doing my nut. So I'll just go from that and I'll think, where is the funniness in that? And it'll take us a while and then it might go in the bin. If not, it tends to get put out on stage. That's what you tend to hear on the night. Have you written something about the Dyson advert? It's going to be used on something a bit more useful, put it on a condom and it can look for herpes and stuff. So that that was the one which got you disgusted when I told you. <laughs> which is the reaction that I go for more often than not. Excellent. Now, now Dale, why do you want to write jokes? Um... Oh, I thought he had frozen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, <laughs> time, time is I different do. for Dale. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I don't. I don't know. Like, it's sometimes, sometimes concepts are just loosely like strung together in the imagination. I love like sometimes I just imagine lots of things that are could potentially happen from situations. Like I found it yesterday that Russia dropped warnings. Oh, like what's one of them? It's like imagine that. What's a warning bomb, you know? And it's like I loosely then follow out these things, but I don't like, like, I don't really write it down as much as I should. And I, you know, like writing jokes is like I we find it really difficult to think of like puns and like ideas that lead to direct punchlines. You know, it's just kind of a narrative. And I, I do have an end goal with the narrative I'm creating, but like I'll probably have a set hour long show when I'm seventy, you know. Some <laughs> Mike, why do you write jokes other than to impress your um, now wife or fiance? Yeah, to, well, just, just so she maintains her interest. Uh, but no, the truth is that I, I don't think I do. So I came off stage on my very first show, and there was an Australian comedian there who's who's relatively successful over there called Daniel Muggleton. Check him out; he's very funny. Well, he he gives a bit of feedback. He said I was really good, like for a, for a debut, fantastic. You know, you must feel great. There was one joke in it. <laughs> And I looked at him and thought, is that, is that a dig? You, are you taking the piss over us here? What, what do you mean? There was one joke and he, he pointed to the setup and punchline that I had. And I was like, yeah. And he just kind of went, well, there you go. That was your one joke. And I thought, oh God, I, so I, I don't really write jokes. I kind of tell stories and embellish and try to find the humor. Um, my confidence comes from wanting to tell the story. Listen to this. This is really funny. You'll enjoy this type of thing. So I guess it's, it's not really, um, 
a nod to the craft. I haven't really sat down and studied it. I've really kind of tried to take just what I do in everyday life to the stage. And so far, so good. So I don't think I do, right, George? If I do, I'll let you know. Well, it continues to evolve. It's an art form which continues to change and do different things. I mean, comedy was so different back in like forever. It just continues to evolve and to change. And now, nowadays, telling stories is pretty much a lot what most comedians seem to be doing, unless you kind of go... Yeah, there's, anecdot- there's, yeah, there's anecdotal stand-up, isn't there? It's long established. I mean, one of the best ever was Billy Connolly. He didn't really tell jokes. He did characters and told stories and stuff. So it's, you know, it, it's it's not untried or untested or anything. But I would love a joke or two. So, you know, I'm, I'm writing down things. I've written down warning bombs, Dale, because I thought that was fantastic. There's loads <laughs> of potential there. <laughs> Dale, what is it you'd like to achieve with comedy? What have, have you got any aims that you would like? Say, do you want to change people's minds about sort of substances or do you want to change people's mind about sort of time concepts? What is? Why do you make comedy? Why do I make comedy? It's for a laugh, isn't it, really? I suppose that's what it's all about. Okay, uh, Kelly, why do you make comedy? <laughs> <laughs> He's there right, though. Yeah, like, he is right, yeah. If you're, if you're doing it for any other reason than you want to have fun and make other people laugh, then you're in it for the wrong reasons. Like, um, But okay. I'm really interested in like what makes something funny. There's lots of jokes that different people can tell, but I'm more interested in like comedian the, the reason it's funny because of the per, like there has to be something about that person that makes it funny Vic and Bob I can say what they say but it's not funny because it's not coming from them because it's not the whole package Harry Hill it's 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 like it's a whole thing it's not just what's coming out his mouth it's just like a whole presence and a whole sort of you, you need all the different parts of it to make it work and I'm like interested in 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 that yeah, and because I, I remember back, like back in school, back when I was in school, Vic and Bob were a big thing, and um, mm-hmm. and people were just like, uh, "I really want to see those fingers," oh, and oh, the dove from above. And when I'm saying mm-hmm. it, it's not that funny. At least I didn't think so. And the kids in school didn't think it was that. But when Vic and Bob say it, it's hilarious because of just the way they yeah. put those things together and how their chemistry is. That takes me into thinking: But were you funny in school? Oh no, nah. <laughs> a despicable child. No, but I watched funny things to cheer myself up because I had nothing else to do, you know? So that's all I did. I just watched comedians, watched funny programs, watched things that made us happy and made us laugh. D- didn't have any sort of aspirations of trying to do it myself, but anybody else? I think, I think as, yeah, I didn't want to just become a critic of, you know, because I know how hard it is. I don't really know how hard it is now, but like didn't want to just be one of those gets on the internet it's just like oh I didn't think that was very funny mm-hmm. so, so does does anybody now we've all sort of had a little taste of it or a, or, or a bigger taste of it depending on how much we've done I've come to realize because I always thought because I've been a performer for a long time um, but I've realized how difficult performance is more than it looks when you go and see somebody but comedy is even harder to make people laugh as, as everybody else has found that it's actually much more 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 difficult than you thought it was in the first place, but you still just got to keep going. AJ, I I'm probably not the best person to ask for this because when I'm on stage, I can't remember what has just happened the second I come off. Like one of the Giga Water gigs, Rob was doing his comparing bits to the audience and stuff, and you just heard me shout at him like, "Rob, I'm having a breakdown here. Just let me on the fucking stage." So I had to get on there, and I was just so because I get so nervous before gigs that I just wanted to get out there get the first one out and because it got a laugh at the start then I was like right okay I'm in the groove 
and then I don't remember the, the rest of the set pretty much. If they are clapping and laughing when I go off, because I just, you know, I just walk straight off the stage, don't do any, oh, I've been Andrew, thank you for, you know, just say the last joke and get off the stage. And if they're still laughing when I'm off the stage, I know it must have gone all right. But I can't remember what happens when I'm on stage. That's so really rock and roll. strange one. Well, that's what I try and do. <laughs> when you do killings as well, isn't it? <laughs> I just, I just blacked out. out. <laughs> Woke up with my hands around her throat. That's pretty much what I'm, I'm like. Yeah. Or his throat. I'm not gender specific. Their <laughs> throat. Their throat, absolutely. Their throat, thank you. So how, do, how does everybody else deal with the nerves before going on stage? Do you get the nerves? I, I get terrible nerves. Uh, Mike, how do you deal with yours? Uh, I wrote a bit about one of them. Um, I was very honest when I first started. I used to do bits about bits, about writing bits, about performing. I wrote about one time, the, the second gig I ever did, I was nervous. I was pacing the carpet floor. It was ridiculous. I was just wearing a hole in it. I was pacing back and forward. And my last said, oh, would a blowjob calm you down? I thought, oh, bloody hell. She must really not want us to wear this carpet thin. Um, <laughs> so, like, I wrote a little bit about that, but I don't think you can do much about it. But take it on stage with you. Um, it can give you an energy. Just just use it. And like like AJ said, you get that first line, you get that first laugh. That's a great introduction. Like, if you just said that off stage, I'd have pissed myself laughing. Then you're coming on stage, you're already on a high, you're already buzzing. And brilliant. Use it. The very first time I went on stage, the compare handed it over, gives a very kind welcome and passes the mic. And before they'd stop their applause, you know, you should really let that go for a little bit. I said, oh, what you didn't mention was this is my first time fucking ever, 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 ever on stage. And they could have just went, oh, went, oh well, this is going to be shit. But instead, they all cheered. They did like a little, oh, go on, son. You're probably shy, but we'll give you a chance. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because that cheer had me 10 feet tall. I killed it. I had a great time. The best you can do is use it because I, I don't think there's a cure for it. If there is, I'd love to know. But use it if you can, surely. So that happened, I'm assuming that happened in the northeast. Oh, yeah, obviously, yeah. That was yeah. at the stand. Because audiences up and down the country are different. Um, and I'm not sure that might have happened in London, maybe. Um, no. no, it's the most forgiving audience <laughs> oh, no. in the country. The stand, Red Raw, Amateur Night. Mm. like literally they're students who paid three pound to get in they're just happy to be there they're not discerning i don't mean to disparage them but very pretty people (laughs) they're not smart it's very easy to make them laugh really because they're there to have a good time and get hammered and shag each other they're not interested in you at all so it was it's a it's the best audience to practice and learn in front of i can't stress that enough get yourself there if you can excellent so um as as well as long as they get the the, do the shagging after the show not during I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't mind either way. Are you distracting? <laughs> Can we just all take a look at these two people? These two beautiful haven't people are hammering bones. Haven't done a gig at a sex club in a band. I can say that you don't mean that. <laughs> really? Oh, really? No. Oh, my God. We need to share about this. Tell me. Kelly used to be in a band and she played a gig in a sex club. How was it? Did anybody? I know this wasn't a comedy gig, but um, did anybody laugh? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, sweaty, just sweaty, horrible. No, couldn't recommend it. No, no, no. Well, it's, it's, was it's it one thing. of those attractive ones, or were they all sort of like? In there the aren't system? any attractive ones. That's in. I, I beg to differ. So who has some nice ones? I've seen Blade. Did he just say I've seen Blade? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. 
so, well, <laughs> is there anything like that? <laughs> well, full, of, full of vampires and blood, I hope not. <laughs> um, so, I'm assuming those things would be very different um, during so the pandemic and whatever, because obviously um, COVID gigs on Zoom, very, very different experience altogether. How many of you people <laughs> did a, a, a gig on Zoom during during the lockdown? I've got one tonight, actually. Oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm it doesn't look at me watch because my watch just says the word tonight. Tonight. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, did lots. Um, not so the what, best uh, what, experience, but definitely character building. <laughs> so what do you reckon, um, I'm going to put this out to deal. what do you reckon the uh, future of comedy is post-COVID? Um, just the same as it was before COVID. Just pretend that, I don't know, I hope it just goes back there exactly as it was. That's all I can say about post-COVID, really. In any form, you know, I just hope it all returns in the exact same manner as it was. I mean, obviously, like, you know, they can have some sanitisation of toilets at festivals and that. That's, there can be positives to come out of the situation, but everything should just go exactly back to the exact same way that it was. But I don't think things can go back to the way they were because I mean, there's going to be the social choice. But there, there will, you know, this that you know, like it's it's just talking. This is getting more COVID talk than comedy talk. If there's CI in this direction, no, they are. It's just that these things are interlinked with each other. The way that um, the way that the industry, the entertainment industry, is going, they are interlinked, and it's the fact that we actually do have to deal with them because it is people's income. It's not just well, I, well the craft. I, personally, I like to just think that it'll go back exactly the same kind of format that it always was. And I hold, I hold that belief. And if I can help to create that out of the back of this, then I'll be happy with that contribution. That'll be cool. If it, if it, if it, if it, if it goes, does go back to that, that'd be great. I hope it does. I really do. And um, so, which comedians of the past? have inspired you to do what you do have they aj what comedians do you like and how do they inspire you who is it so i've got a pretty wide taste when it comes to comics because basically from childhood onwards it was like the old bbc tapes from the tapes exactly that's how old it is uh from the 50s all the way through to like the 90s so i've listened to like all sorts of things, but particularly sort of Spike Milligan and and this, the Q series that was great. Kenneth Williams, as you all know, because I did tell you, he's my like comedy icon. Mm. And then more modern stuff, I like Eddie Izzard, Julian Clary, people like that. Um, Dave Chappelle is the goat, in my opinion. He is the best stand-up that, that has ever been. But the main thread, and this is what I try and do with mine, is basically they're all individual. In, in some way, there's, there's not one of them where you're like, oh, well, he's a this type of, they're all their own sort of breed. Arguably, you could say Dave Chappelle is a Richard Pryor type, but then you're getting into the whole Carlin and Pryor pretty much created all of the sort of raunchy comedians that we have now. But that's what I try and bring in. So I'm inspired by them. And then it's like create something that people don't do because you don't want to go to a night. You were talking about post-COVID. You don't want to go to a nightclub and go and see 10 acts come up and all 10 of them are, oh, a funny thing happened during COVID and I was doing You're going to get so bored by the end of the night. You want something a bit different, which is where I think there's there's a few of us in our little group where you're not going to get the same thing from one act to another. And that's what I like, like doing. 
I think that's why that I didn't partake in any of the Zoom uh, kind of comedy things in the first place because, like, it's like I enjoyed it. Like, you know, like it's like it's not. Oh, I've lost. Uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't have a. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Is it, is it no. the atmosphere? Is it like the whole atmosphere of a gig that you like? Is it like the whole atmosphere of a gig and yeah, well, interaction well, with people that that's, you like? That, that's what's a laugh and doing it, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, like that's where you've got to be in the, in the physical realm of like actually standing there and doing. And like, I'd like to, I'd like to come back and not mention anything to do with COVID and just do the same deal and expand on that and like, you know, like not. Try not because there's going to be so many ages, right? There's going to be so many comics and so many bands have songs about it, and so many films and stories be told out of it. And it's not that they're not relevant, but it wasn't there before, you know. Like, well, are you, could you could you say you'd like to wash your hands of COVID? Yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that was really lame. But I just... <laughs> so on. Sorry, on that as well, like when you're talking about post-COVID of like what's going to happen, I think the Zoom thing was a means to an end because we were all just left high and dry and there was nothing in place for us. But as Kelly's saying, off the back of it, we've got people who are like, well, no one's looking out for us. We need to look out for each other. And that's where they're creating all these new opportunities Mm. outside of the London bubble for people to actually get involved because then people were just out of work, no income, no support whatsoever and it was like okay well I'll go and work at the co-op for six months and hope that things get better but now there's actually things in place so zoom gigs might go on if we go back into lockdowns and stuff like that in the future there is a something in place but you can't replace a real gig with an actual audience that are gonna gasp at my shit or um, laugh at everybody else's so you know, there's no comparison and hopefully it won't stick around too long Absolutely, gig-wise, it's it's a um, when when this is all over, it'll be it'll be great. The energy will be amazing. But I think it's for me, it's given me an opportunity to concentrate on my writing a bit more and the discipline of writing a bit more, other than kind of just vibing off an audience because that's normally what I, my fallback is. Kind of just see what an audience is doing and how how are you feeling with that. This has actually made helped me concentrate on the craft a little bit more. Um, so I've only got a few minutes left. Do you have any other? <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> She's got the COVID! I thought I had muted myself. Sorry, Pat. <laughs> no, that's all right. I'm going to leave that in because that was amusing. <laughs> uh, do you have any other creative pursuits? Because the Stu Simpson show is all about different sort of creativity. So any other craft skills have you got? Uh, deal. Um, cooking, uh, draw. I just I like doing drawing sometimes. Uh, just singing random little songs in your head and walking along the street with me own little narratives running in your brain, I suppose, to entertain myself from the, you know, nihilism that I face daily. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Right. I think that's a really nice place to finish if anybody, unless <laughs> unless anybody else has got, what's the kind of like, say, they do decoupage or um, the things where you put like plants and nets and stuff. Any other any other creative pursuits? No. Great. Where can people <laughs> where, can, where can people find out about you, you, what you're doing next, Mike? I'd like to find out what I'm doing next first. But um, at Mike Perrin on Twitter, if you like fantasy football ramblings, and if I do get a gig, I'll announce it there. 
Brilliant. Kelly, what, what are you doing next and how can people find out about you? Oh, I guess Twitter, Kelly Egda. Um, Instagram, I think is where I do most of my footwittery. Bankrupt underscore pug is me Instagram. Cool. AJ, what about you? Uh, Andrew Thompson Comedian on Facebook, which is not up to date in the slightest because I have not posted since my boohoo post about the Civil War in <laughs> last year before the first lockdown. So that is how long ago it is before I've been on stage. But I'll be recording myself in new gigs when they're up and coming. So they'll all go on there and you can have a look if you like it. We would love that. And we'll hopefully we'll all get together at some point and we'll do something else again live soon. And Dale, where can people find out about you and your wonderful world? It's Dale Price Comedy on Facebook and Instagram. That's it, really. I don't want to have a Twitter. I was big, I was begrudged to get an Instagram in the first place because I just thought that one drug was enough drugs for anybody to be addicted to in a media way. But now I've got Instagram, so I've got two. Thank you, Mike. He's on the sex offenders register as well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, AJ. (laughs) Thank you, Kelly. This has been a very amusing (laughs) episode of the Stu Simpson Show. Thank you very much, and hopefully I'll get to see you in real life very, very soon. Lots of love, and uh, yeah, hugs. Now we're allowed to do it, and yeah, cheers. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye.